Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. God bless you, and thank you so much for joining us once again as we study the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Tonight, we're talking about goodness. Again, I want to read from where this fruit of the Spirit comes from in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, verse 23, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Again, for those who are starting with us today, first time, we started backwards, so that's why it's, we have teaching for self-control, gentleness, faithfulness, and today we're covering goodness. Goodness is one of those words that, you know, be good, do good. Sounds be simple. Full, be full of good. Yeah, and hey, be good. And uh, I think it's the end of the sermon. But, but the big question for me as I was preparing for this is why is goodness or being good or doing good a spiritual fruit? Like, why is it not just a, something that we do? It's a I think it thing. starts with the fact that our definition of what's good mm-hmm. is compromised. So we may feel like, oh, you know, I studied for the test and I passed. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not. It's, it may actually even be below average. It may actually be bad. Um, mm-hmm. It's just enough to get by. And, and even that, according to scripture, is clear. We don't even, we can't even get a passing grade on our own. Yeah. We are not good. You know, people say like, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, We're let's start good. from the fact that no one is good. Yeah, Romans 3.20. 323 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right. None of us are good. By nature, we are selfish, we are greedy. Even the the nicest, kindest, most good people, you know, who Goodest seem people. Yeah, I know. I can think of the word. <laughs> they may seem altruistic, but deep down our motives are often self-centered or manipulative, uh, you know, if we're really raw and honest about it. Um, just the way that we're wired, we can't do anything good in our own nature it's only by the grace of god and through his spirit that we can do anything that's worth substance yeah i I remember it was was something that i struggled with when i became a christian uh because when i accepted christ i I remember sharing that with people and they're like oh praise god you're a new creation and i was like i was pretty good before i thought i was (laughs) i was nice i was sweet i love to serve i mean i went on a mission trip before I became a Christian, you know, I mean, there was some, I got to get some kind of brownie point. No, I didn't. But it was one of those things like, what is this good? But you're absolutely right. Um, at our old church, at the at the old church, they gave us a book, What is Good? And I remember it was such a great reading because it defined how good can be changed from person to person, from culture to culture, from religion to religion. But one person says it's good. The other person might say it's hateful or hurtful you know what i mean so that definition of good first of all is just so not contrary not contrary concrete right so it's very hard so we're going to try to talk about what is good and as we get into the key verses today i think the definition hits us right away but again i wanted to read from romans chapter 7 18 and 19 before we go into about this whole good thing is uh this is paul speaking Uh, He says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. 
For I have this desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry mm-hmm. it out. For what I want to do is not the good. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what is not, but now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. It's this. First of all, it's a tongue. <laughs> Tongue twister over here, but Paul really recognizes it that himself, the sinful nature that is in us, it doesn't crave being good. It craves selfishness. It craves chaos sometimes. You know. Right. And one of the things that I think just fundamentally that can can help some of us make this shift is we think sometimes that it's like the number of sins that we commit, and we're going to look at that in the Mm -hmm. in the text today from uh, Matthew chapter 19. For those of you who want to kind of put a bookmark there, uh, we'll get there momentarily. But this understanding that there's this checklist of, you know, how many, almost like the Santa list of naughty and nice, right? Mm -hmm. We treat God the same way. And that's not the standard. Just in a summary version, before we started recording, you know, I was looking at the beginning of Genesis and you see that when God created what comes from God is good. So anything mm-hmm. that comes from God is good. Mm-hmm. The light is good. He, he separates the seas and, and it's good. He brings you know, forth seed-bearing plants and it's good. And it goes on and on and on that everything was good. And when he made humanity, he said it was that we were very good. But then he tells us to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, if we were already good, just the summary version of it, and we eat from this tree, right? Our very nature, the only thing we had to gain from that tree was was evil. evil. Mm -hmm. That's it. And all of the goodness that was in our DNA that that God had designed us for unravels with this seed of evil uh, that became planted in our hearts and in our souls. And And in that moment, you know, we became spiritually dead. And, And genetically, that's been passed on from generation to generation. What we don't understand is that it's not this checklist of comparison me versus the person down the street or versus my neighbor mm-hmm. our nature is sinful you know i we we love our children right but from the moment that they can start walking and talking they start lying and they start causing trouble so and, you know it's just it's it's in our dna and and that's the part that we really have to be brutally honest because if we're not honest with the disease then we can't come to the right source for the cure yeah, wow, that, that that was good. And you're like saying things and verses are popping into my head. I was like, yes, I had to go to my boy James. He he always says, don't deceive, don't be deceived, my dear brother. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all the created. And it's just don't be deceived the only good thing comes from the above the spirit the sun that's it right stop adding other things that it's good right so anything that comes from the holy spirit that's been entrusted to us and that fruit that comes from the holy spirit which we're going to talk about today the nurturing how we need to nurture that seed of the Holy Spirit, of, you know, his presence in us, because our nature is opposite. We're like dirt. We just, we're hardened soil. 
We need to break it up, till it up, kind of, you know, render ourselves so that we're workable and allow the Holy Spirit to grow in us to bring forth all of these fruit, specifically today talking about goodness. So we can go to Matthew chapter 19, as I mentioned. Yeah, exactly. I just want to, before we deep, we'll dig even more deeper about that, exactly what you said, um, good comes from the Holy Spirit. So we could be doing good things. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good things out there, but it's the things that bring glory to God. It's the things that are led by God that is worth being called good. Mm -hmm. It is guided by God. And when we read our, the beginning of our key verses today, we're going to see why that's important. And even Jesus really right away kind of puts it on the nose. So we're in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. And this is the story of the rich young man. Um, Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And here's my wonderful Savior. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. And I just want to stop right here. Please see that. See Jesus right away, kind of pausing and says, why do you ask me about what is good? There's nothing we can do that's good. Nothing. nothing. There's only one who is good, and that is God. the Father. Yeah. God the Father, that, our creator. That's it. He, he, he wanted to start it off so that way they knew how this conversation is going. And that's why I wanted to kind of pause and, and uh, have the same conversation before we started. Nothing except God is good. Nothing that we can do apart from God is good. So it's just it was just a very important which is yeah. why it's important when Jesus says that he and the Father are one and that he can do nothing except what the Father tells him to do mm-hmm. because he's the image of the invisible God and he's modeling for us the way the truth and the life. Mm-hmm. The way to the Father, the way to goodness is through Christ Jesus and Christ alone. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> There's so much more in that one about being a Christian, being Christ-like, being the someone who can come before God. Right. We can revert back to the checklist, right, of did you fast? Did you pray? How many times did you go to church? Are you on the worship team? Are you a deacon? Do you do the parking ministry? <laughs> and it, but we're not following the Savior. We're not following. Yeah. Just because we do, even, even through the Holy Spirit, we can be empowered to do good things. But now we're challenged to do God things, right? We're challenged to step into the things that are good and perfect, the yeah. things that are aligned with his will. And oh my goodness, we could just, we yeah, could just yeah. sit here that's, all day. That, Let's get back to saying. the text. <laughs> so again, he says, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, he's quoting Leviticus 19. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? This is amazing. This, this kid is perfect. Yeah. He's just been following the law to a T. He didn't skip a beat. I love that he was like, oh, I've done those. 
I got it. It's like it's like pray fast, read the, read the Bible, serve at the church, be a deacon. Oh, no, I got this. Okay, I'm perfect. What what else do I need to do? It's, yeah, it's if amazing. it was that easy, right? But let's assume let's assume that he has. He is for the yes, sake of argument. Absolutely. Although right there he's probably giving false testimony, <laughs> but we'll give him the credit. We, we, we won't judge. Right. Absolutely. Um, all these things I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, <laughs> go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Right. Not so perfect. No. And then he goes on to say, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom, right? And the the reason for that and the disciples are astonished because they think if anyone it should be the rich because our standard is that if someone is blessed they must be a good person if someone has the wealth and the promotion and the house and they've been blessed by god mm-hmm. so they must be doing something right right and those who suffer and the kingdom of god is upside down upside and so down. the yeah. disciples were astonished and say who then can be saved and jesus responds in verse 26 with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So, and, and he finishes this text with saying in verse 30, the first will be last and the last will be first. Again, that whole kingdom upside down thing. So here you have this young, rich young man who sounds like he's kept all the commandments. He's young. He's probably got everything. Probably the Torah. Right. He's got his health probably because he's a young man and he's rich and he's got, and so he would have been this picture of, you know, Jewish faith, the, just the ideal. And he walks away sad without having obtained the gift of eternal life or at least not having accepted the come follow me, right? Which is a big calling. That, right. That's what we want to be, right? Where are we following God? We're following God. Well, I'm not God. We're following Christ. We're following Christ to the cross and we're also following Christ to resurrection to be with, with God. Right. So when we have this follow me moment, right. it, it, give, it gives us eternity. And sadly, this young man is looking at the now, his riches, right? If we share in his sufferings, then we will share in his resurrection. resurrection. But the goodness piece of it, right? Yeah. The goodness piece of it is that there was nothing that this, good, that this young man could do that would be good enough. And the good that Jesus puts in front of him to do, he's like, okay, let's play this game. You want to be perfect enough to obtain eternal life? Then sell everything you have and follow me. That's the good. That's the good he's called to do. And guess what? He can't do it. He can't do it. And a lot of times, it, it's the wealth that we have, it's the comforts that we have, because the calling of Christ leads us to the uncomfortable. It, he always leads us, uh, Bonhoeffer says, that when Christ call a man, he bids him to come and die. Mm. And so whatever it is that we hold on to, whatever it is that we think is, you know, is good and great and that, that we find comfort in, those are the very things that, that Christ will call us to shake off and he calls us into an area of brokenness. Yeah. And that's what he calls good. That's the part that doesn't make any sense. So the fruit of the spirit, when we think of goodness, it's almost, I hadn't, we hadn't talked about this before, but I'm, I'm thinking when we think of goodness bearing fruit in our life, it's actually brokenness. Yeah. When we experience brokenness in our life, 
It's that broken soil that allows the goodness of God to break through and bear fruit. It's that upside down. The things that we would call good are not good. The things that we chase after, right? The Sermon on the Mount that he says, you know, the pagans chase after all these things. You worry about what you will eat or what you will wear, you know? We worry about our jobs. We worry about our health. We worry about our cars and our... And, and those things just burden us down with worry. Those are not the good things of this life. The good things are justice and mercy. The fruit, the other fruit of the Spirit, the, the working of God in our lives. When he breaks us, that's actually when he's trying to do something good. Yeah. I almost feel like we need to pause because I need to sit with that. And I want to make sure it's biblical. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm, like, I'm sitting here. I was like, I don't, I don't know what's going to be the next step. So the next step was for us to pause and actually get into the word. I mean, what you were saying, I'm hundred. I was hundred percent behind you. I know that that was the word uh, from God, and it, it was in biblical truth. I truth. wasn't. I yeah, and I'm glad. And I hope you guys understand. When we come to teach a word, we come with fear and trembling. We don't just throw these words out. We truly believe that not everyone should be teachers. <laughs> question ourselves. <laughs> question often. ourselves. Often. But that's why we like to teach together too, because as we teach. We double check and like... Yeah, we look at each other like, was this? That was good, right? <laughs> and we always have the safety net, at least when we're recording, that we yeah. can go back and delete. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But we wanted... What, what Trish was sharing it just very much fell on the verse of John chapter 12, verse uh, 24, but I'll start at 23 just because it's there. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of, of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternity. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. So this is a big thing what... Jesus was doing for this young man. This is what he was talking about. You need to, what you were saying, you need to be broken. You need to give everything up. You need to die of yourself. That's the good. That's the way of That's it. And follow goodness. me. The goodness is following him. I, I love what you, what you said um, when, <laughs> when we were talking. Uh, I think we already mentioned it before, is that what good is God's will. Even for us as Christians, of us doing good things, doing ministry, doing services, doing outreaches, doing all that stuff, it might be good by our standards, but unless it's, not, it's in God's will, then it's not good. Like we were talking, you were sharing from, from Adam and Eve. She looked at the fruit. It was good, pleasing to the eye and good to gaining wisdom. I don't see anything wrong with that. It was so evil. But it wasn't God's will for us. Right. Period. Let's not talk about all the other stuff. God didn't tell her to do it. Right. It's, I think there, there's this verse about it. Specifically commanded them not to, actually. Yeah. And don't do anything without conviction. Unless God convicted you to do this, led you to this, don't. You know, don't make this... The Lord has put on my heart. Did he really... Did he speak to you? Is this part of his will? That's what's good. His will. When you do this. 
I love in uh, Ephesians, as, again, as we were talking, the verses popping into my head. This is not even part of the preparation. In Ephesians chapter 2, there's, it's, it's an awesome method of salvation they're talking about. But in 10, verse 10, chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Here's the key, which God prepared in advance for us to do it. The good that we want, that he wants us to do in Christ Jesus, he already prepared for us. Right. So we need to do is just seek where he wants us to go and do that instead of doing our own thing and hoping that he's going to come beside us. And Right. Which even in Romans 12, it talks about, uh, you know, that do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Mm-hmm. Right. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, he will heap burning coals on his head. And I ran across that. I was actually looking for the verse you quoted about everything that does not come from conviction is sin. And some translations say everything that does not come from faith is sin. Mm-hmm. But the, the concept is still the same. And that's in Romans 14, uh, verse 23. Because a lot of times we, we tend to think like, well, if, I, if I'm not convicted about it, then it must be okay. That's not my conviction, right? And biblically, actually, we should be living under conviction in the positive, that mm-hmm. everything that we, sh- that we do should be under the conviction, should be done by faith without yeah. wavering, not just staying away from things that we, because our hearts are seared. We, we don't, again, we don't know what's good. Our nature doesn't know what's good. So unless the Holy Spirit is leading us and convicting us to do it, so we shouldn't say, well, I don't think it's a problem for me because I'm not convicted about it. No, unless you're convicted to do it, you should stay away from it. And that's a hard <laughs> Yeah, let's not go there because I'm going to go into it and we'll be here for an hour. Um, but again, at this point, what, what God did through Christ Jesus through salvation is he didn't want just good, right? The law was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wants to make us perfect. He wants us to be like in the image of his son. He wants to make us whole and complete. That shalom, shalom that we talked about last mm-hmm. week from Hebrews 11, which finishes with verse 40. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would these saints that are talked about previously be made perfect. And it talks about all of those things of faithfulness, which we just taught on last week, the fruit of faithfulness. That as we work by faith, as we operate by faith, good things will bear fruit. The goodness of God will come to bear in our lives. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. So we, 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 I think we established what's good, what's not good, and how... The fact that we have no idea. <laughs> how hard good is and how important it is for us to seek uh, God's will for us so that way we know what good is and, and definitely live our lives out of the conviction. I think, I think the problem is conviction holds a negative thing, but it should be a positive thing. Conviction is just being... By faith. Being led. Being prompted um, and led. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things that we wanted to talk about is how we nurture the life of goodness. And we actually... Uh, there was a great book that came out a couple... Last, last year. Last year. It's called A Church Called Tove, and it's by Scott McKnight and his daughter, Laura Beringer. Mm-hmm. Right? Beringer, yeah. Beringer, I'm sorry. Now, we are not given royalties, but we do know Scott. <laughs> Scott McKnight was actually your professor. Yeah. 
back in college. Who and helped me understand. When you were, didn't know Christ, and he was your Bible teacher, and through his class and through other promptings of the Spirit, you came to know the Lord. Absolutely. Um, but he is also uh, a former co-worker of mine and just an amazing scholar. Absolutely. Um, and he wrote a church called Tove. And the, the reason why it's important to bear is that Tove means goodness. Mm-hmm. And so this is about how it, it not only applies to a church, but it also applies, which is what you're going to share about, uh, these steps to cultivating, nurturing goodness in our own selves. Um, I would highly encourage anyone to grab a church called Tove, especially if you find yourself uh, in a place of church hurt or where you're in a church culture that may feel somewhat abusive or toxic. Um, it's a very healing book. Uh, it's pretty straightforward, easy read. Um, it's great for a small group. Uh, to read with others and to change your church culture into one that is healing and biblical and nurturing of goodness rather than uh, burnout. Yeah. So these are the steps. There's so seven of them. So there are seven steps that they're talking about nurturing habits of goodness. Um, again, there's a book out there. We're not going to go deep, deep into it. We just want to kind of give credit where it's due. Yeah, give credit where it's due. And we just want to list them off. And have you guys um, think about it, see where you at in this circle. Where are you um, to what you need to work on and how you need to get to it. And again, the the point of this, and that's going to be the last point of the circle, is just be Christ-like, right? So the the first point that we want to talk about is nurturing empathy, meaning resisting the narcissist culture. About so this. not being self-centered, yeah. but being able to put yourself in the shoes of someone else, being able to sympathize like the Good Samaritan, right, who mm-hmm. sees the man by the side of the road and puts aside his own agenda to care for someone else, that it's not about you. And, and our measure that things are good because they benefit me, that's got to go to the wayside. Something, our measure of what is good is what is good for the kingdom, mm-hmm. what is good for the body of Christ. And we're not even asking, it's not the whole world, right? There's only one who could save the whole world. Yep. It's not us. It's not you. It's not me. Nope. It's only Christ the Savior. But we are called to have empathy and love and care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Absolutely. Uh, the next one is nurture grace. Resist the fear, the fear culture. I think that's one of the ones that we, especially in the past couple of years, that's been a very uh, toxic thing that has slowed people down and kind of put themselves in their own little mindset of because we fear others, fear things of unknown, yeah, fear of rejection, all these things, we just kind of, it becomes, again, a selfish thing. We kind of put ourselves first because we don't trust people around us, so we, we fear people. Right. And even in the church context, as far as nurturing grace, you know, there's churches that teach, you know, oh, you can't speak against the pastor. You can't speak. against. And I'm not saying that we should have a divisive culture, but there should be grace for the fact that your pastors are human and they need to be held accountable. There should be grace that the leadership, the small group leaders, that other people uh, may that we all fall short of the glory of God. And so. We need to be real and honest like we've been in this teaching that no one is good and that we all are going to make mistakes. No one is God's anointed to the point 
that they speak infallibly and they should be held accountable. So a church culture that is driven by fear that you're afraid to talk honestly about the problems in the church or about the problems um, in leadership, there should be an open and honest culture that is empty of fear, but one that is full of grace. All right. The next, the next point is put people first. And this whole thing is resist the institution creep. And for us personally, we get into our bubbles. Resist the, it's my church, resist, it's my small groups, resist, it's my family members, and, and that's it. But just whoever God brings into your life, the people that are in your life, those are the people that God wants you to love on and do good. Right, for. and on an individual level, it would be resisting the, the building, you know, the main message right now is people are trying to build their brand Mm. they're trying to build their name and their following you know the instagram and all of these and and that would be on a personal individual level where we can nurture goodness is to put others first it's not about your life in christ is not about building your brand it's not about building your image or building your following it's about drawing others to follow christ Mm. not you Christ and Christ crucified. Uh, next one is tell the truth. <laughs> resist, resist false narratives. Uh, there's not too much to talk about. Uh, you just got to be honest. You got to tell the truth. Stop making stuff up. Stop making things what they're not. Right. I, I don't feel like there's too much things to No, but it goes about. back to the very beginning, right? The, the, the enemy that's out to steal, kill, and destroy is a liar. And so when we lie, when we're dishonest with others or even with ourselves, when we lie Mm -hmm. to ourselves, we're not brutally honest with ourselves, then we give room for the enemy and for evil to reign. And only when we are just raw and unfiltered and honest about our brokenness, about our wounds, about our our tendency towards Mm -hmm. evil, can we truly find healing when we're honest? Yeah. Speaking the truth in love, right? Ephesians 4.15. Yep. yep, absolutely. Uh, next one is nurture justice. That is a very important thing, uh, especially in the Old Testament. God spoke about this over and over and over again. You bring me all these lavish gifts. You build me all these altars and everything. He's like, but where's justice? Where's mercy? Why are there... St- there's hungry, there's cheated, there's wrong. There's, again, it's that upside down thing. We, I want to see justice. I, I, that's what I want to see. We need to justice. nurture that. Absolutely. Flow like an ever flowing stream. And, and the thing is with justice, there's, I'm a very justice oriented person. And I believe very much that as believers, we are not called to just get our ticket to eternal life, but we're called to do the hard work of justice and advocacy here on earth. But I also think there's this double edge to it where there's a movement that has made justice work supplant the message of the gospel. And the reality is that no system, we can work and dedicate our lives towards dismantling toxic systems towards, and we should, but only when Christ returns, only the gospel will make all things new. Mm. And so we can't make justice needs to be embedded and ingrained in our individual Christian walk, like you said. 
Um, it's not just about going to church on Sunday and participating in your small group and tithing, but it's about doing the good work in your community and and bringing God's kingdom near here and now, mm-hmm. but also recognizing that there's the now and the not yet. Yes. That we can't accomplish it in this life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which kind of kind of goes into the next one about nurturing service. It's... You're not that special. Ouch. Yeah. It's true, though. It's okay. You, it's okay. you kneel and you wash some people's feet. Right. Humble yourself. It's humility. It's humbleness. It's, that's the important part about the service. As long as I've, I've been a Christian and as many ministers I was part of, the service always blessed me. I came out and I fed the homeless, but it's after that, after that I come home broken and thankful for what God has blessed me with. It's not, right. you know. If you want to cultivate goodness in your life, it's not always pursuing the leadership positions or the spotlight. It's about being the servant of all. And mm-hmm. that's where, like, James and John wanted right to sit at his right and left hand. Um, and the disciples were arguing at another point about who was the greatest. And he says, you, you don't get it. You missed it. The least among you, the one who wants to be the greatest must be the servant of all. And so if we want to cultivate goodness in our lives, we have to look for opportunities not to be in the spotlight, but to serve from behind the scenes where only the father can see. Yeah. And the last step, which sums it all up, nurture Christ-likeness. That's what it's about. You call yourself a Christian. You want to be like Christ. You want to follow. And I want to be like like Jesus. So I'm going to preach. He did some preaching. He did some teaching. But man, he did a lot of loving and a lot of mercy and a lot of grace. And a lot of prayer and a lot of sacrifice. He, he didn't come as this fancy-smancy preacher he came as a servant and that's what we need to remember like if we say that we're Christians that should not spark somebody on stage that should not be the vision for us and it should not be the vision of somebody being eaten by a lion or something like that like pain and suffering I mean, he says, he said, if you follow me, but look at the, read the gospels, look at the life of Christ, see how he lived, see how he spoke. What did he do? What is the most thing that he did? He devoted most of his time to just 12 simple people mm-hmm. and a few women who helped support the ministry. Paid for everything, actually. It's kind of how scripture says they put it. Yeah. It's just an aside. But the importance of women, that he elevates that justice piece. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the 5,000. It wasn't. In fact, he was always sending the crowds away. When you read the story, he was with the children. He, he cares for the adulterous woman. He tends to, you know, he's trying to just have a moment of solitude, but he heals the Canaanite woman's daughter. And he, he's in those lowly moments when he knew that God had given him all authority on heaven and on earth, and he puts on an apron and he washes their feet, like you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Like That's Christ-likeness. It's not all this other bells and whistles. It's not the number of thumbs up you get on your social media. Mm-hmm. 
it's the consistency and integrity and how you persevere through the brokenness and the goodness that God is trying to bring to bear in your life. Yeah, and to, to kind of finish off, John wonderfully talks about it, quotes Jesus about how he did things and how he said things. He's like, I only do what the Father, I see Father doing. I only say what the Father tells me to say. Out of conviction, God's will for us. So for us to do good works, to, to find this goodness through the Holy Spirit, is to seek God's will. And his face. That's a good point, too. Yeah. You know, just that was, that's something that's often overlooked, is how often he withdrew from the crowds. Mm-hmm. And he went into the into the garden you know the reason Judas knew to find him there was because it says he was often in the garden there mm-hmm. praying how often did he go up to the mountainside to pray and he withdrew and he sought the father's face mm-hmm. and and that would be a challenge some of you you know we we joke we look back and one of our lowest teachings is solitude fasting these mm-hmm. these teachings that are not glorious and glamorous uh, but maybe that's a good place for some of us to just start just with being Christ-like in the solitude and getting away from the crowd. Just spending some time alone with our Abba Father. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. We pray that this uh, teaching blessed you and challenged you. Um, again, if you guys have any questions, please reach out. But know that you're loved and covered, covered in, in prayer. prayers. Be blessed. Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.